thank you, Master. Father, we're just so grateful and thankful to be here tonight. Father, we've taken this time together to hear from heaven, to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches, saying to the pastors, saying to each individual. And Father, we reverence you and we heed your voice. We heed your instruction. We count it precious. We count it holy. And Father, may your words be said tonight. May your deeds be done. May your glory be made manifest. And Father, we never tire praying this prayer. Lord, help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we bid thee, we call to thee, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the second night of camp meeting 2022. It's so good to see some faces that actually came back. That's always, that's always an amazing thing that after they hear me one night, they come back for more. So I, I, no doubt there's a crown awaiting for you in heaven. Hey, before we go any further, how many, and we're, we're not here to embarrass you, but how many were not here last night? Well, okay, yeah, we, we got a percentage. So we'll... We'll just have to, you know, catch you up. We believe in redemption here, and so that way uh, we'll, we'll cover some ground uh, that we covered last uh, night, then we'll go further. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I'm just going to take a little time to uh, introduce my ministry to maybe some of the newer people that are here that have been added to family churches, uh, people uh, watching online. And the reason I'm doing it just kept coming up in my spirit uh, the past couple of hours. And this is found in in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul charged Timothy and he said, I charge charge you before the Lord. God in the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And so uh, we understand this was um, the last epistle that Paul wrote before he was executed. And he's pouring everything into Timothy, who is going to carry the baton of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he charged him before God and the Lord Jesus and notice it says in reference of his coming. And so he, he put that before the minister that the master is coming, that we, we're going to all stand before the master. And that's always been a, a highlight of my ministry. You know, ever since I was born, I, I was conscious of two things. That Number one, I was conscious I was called. Some people are called later in life. I was called from my mother's room ever since I can remember I was called. It was not something that my parents put into me or talked to me or influenced me in any way uh we were good catholic heathen you know (laughs) you know meaning we were good catholics but we we just we weren't born again and and so they didn't put that in me but I, i always always knew i was called and right along with that same conviction i had a conviction that i'd be live in ministering when jesus came and again, you know, if you're Catholic, uh, there might have been a reference to that, but they certainly didn't teach that. But I always known that, and I always had a strong picture in, in my heart. I saw myself, and again, from a baby, I saw myself on a platform, and I saw 
a, you know, a congregation on earth that I'd be ministering to. But uh, as I was ministering, then I saw the heavens were open, and there was a congregation of heaven coming down. Glory to God. I mean, ever since I was a baby, I had that impression. Well, the first part of being called to the ministry has come to pass. The uh, second part, you're just going to have to stick around and find out if that comes to pass. But right along with that, on March 26, 2006, I was caught up to heaven. I had a visitation. We're not going to go into detail uh, with that. But uh, the Lord uh, brought me up to heaven for a pep rally in heaven. And uh, it was quite an amazing thing. So, you know, I know uh, we're in the Northeast. You have to understand that we are very conservative in our expressions almost to a fault. I've often said to my, my wife and family staff that I'm prejudiced against white folk. Because, holy, holy, you know, no expression, no excitement. You know, there are some, you know, and, but you, you, you get into other groups and, and they're, they're very expressive. But, you know, these same white folks that will lift their hands up, maybe, holy, holy, will go to a Bills game and rip out their shirts and <laughs> jump and dance about and high five and so forth. Well, the reason I brought that up, when I was in heaven, Jesus was addressing the, the congregation of heaven. Then after Jesus spoke, I mean, the crowds went wild. I mean, Nothing compares, no, no Bill's game, no Bill's mafia compares to the excitement, anticipation, uh, you know, when Jesus spoke. And, and, and he said this, that I'm coming soon. Get ready. Not, you know, be ready, you know, get ready. That means, you know, there's things that you may have to do. And so that's always been a highlight of my ministry is getting people ready for the coming of the Lord. You know, John the Baptist had that ministry, didn't he? You know, he was a voice crying out in the wilderness. Well, uh, we're not necessarily in a big city. We're pretty much out in the country. But a voice crying out, crying out in the spirit. And I found this out. It doesn't matter where you're located. You can have a voice in the spirit out in the desert somewhere. It's your voice in the spirit that matters and carries, that has an impact in the kingdom of God. And so, you know, we've been crying out about the coming of the Lord and getting people ready. And John the Baptist had an unusual message. You know, his message was what? Repent, for the kingdom of God cometh nigh. He says, you know, making the crooked things, what? Straight, bringing the high things low, uh, preparing a people for the Lord. And so that's been kind of the highlight of my ministry. And if you've ever been around me in my preaching and teaching, you know, it, it has a little edge on it, you know. And hopefully... It has a conviction with it to wanting you to come up what? Higher. You know, that's, that's what my grace is all about. And I just want to give you chapter and verse for that. Because, um, you know, I, I can say this. I've gone through thousands of church members. And not hundreds. Thousands. You know, I've been, I've been here at Family Church, Fredonia, and back then it was Bible Christian Fellowship. I've, I've, I've seen them go <laughs> over and over. I, I, I'm sure it's in the thousands by now. And many of them had the same testimony. says, Pastor, we, we, there's just too much conviction in your church. You, you have time for a little story? Yes. You know, uh, I, we took our kids to a private Christian school right here in Dunkirk. And uh, as I dropped them off in the morning... Uh, 
I, I parked next to a car where there was, on, on the station wagon there's a bumper sticker with a reference that the woman who drove this car was a witch. And so if there's a witch going to the Christian school where my kids are, we're going to have an Elijah calling fire down from heaven experience. And so I, I waited. You know, I dropped my kids off and I just waited and waited. And here come an older lady, not an old lady, but older than I was. And I saw her walking towards the car. And uh, I said, excuse me, miss. She said, yes. I said, is this your car? Yes. Uh, I couldn't help but notice that your bumper sticker makes mentions that you're a witch. And, and I asked, are you a witch? Oh, no, no, it had some toads on it. I just like toads. And I said, all right, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of swallow that one. Then she said this, oh, you're the pastor of what? That church. So you always want to be a pastor. Every pastor... Every family church is that church in the community. You're a pastor of that church. It says, my husband and I, we visited once. We don't like it because there's too much conviction. Now, if they would have said condemnation and guilt, then that would be our fault. But I mean, no, when you, when you come into the presence of God, there ought to be conviction. That's, that's how you know the Spirit of God is there. How, how do you think people get saved? How do people live right without the conviction of the Holy Ghost? And so, in these last days, there has to be conviction. There has to be truth. There, there has to be repentance. If you know anything about, you know, the grace that is being taught, uh, you know, and grace is great, and no doubt we, we need to understand more about grace, but there are some excesses that say you don't re need to repent anymore. That first John 1, 9 is not written to Christians that, you know, you don't need to repent when you miss it. But, and so, you know, a lot of these things are a ploy of Satan to, to get us away for what God is getting us ready for. And that's why we need voices of repentance. We need voices that uh, tell people that Jesus is coming, that we need to get ready for the coming Lord. And so for those of you that uh, are newer and says, why is he like that? Well, I'm endeavoring to give you chapter and verse. And I'm just going to continue on. Uh, some of you haven't found Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, so I'm still filling in the blanks. So hurry up and find Revelation 2, 7. That way I can be quiet. But 2 Timothy 4.1, uh, we read that. But notice in verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Now notice this, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering long suffering and doctrine. Notice Paul told Timothy there's three components to the gospel. that The faith that was handed down to the saints. What are they? The reprove? to rebuke, and to exhort. Those are the three elements that should be in New Testament gospel preaching. And notice the first one is uh, here that it says to reprove. What does it mean? Reprove is to show what is right and what is wrong and the difference. And to reprove people, you know, sin is sin. You know, what the Bible says and what you're doing is not, you know, right. You know, just very clear to reprove is, is to correct. So the gospel ought to be corrective. When you hear your pastor 
you ought to be corrected sometime or another. Because that is one-third of the gospel. See, it's not what you're doing right that's tripping you up. It's what you're not doing that's keeping you from the blessings of God. So you ought to thank God when your pastor, you know, steps on your toes or there's a message that is heavy and says, oh my God. And uh, when a message says, man, after that, I feel like a spiritual turd. <laughs> that, that's a private, that's a private thing. <laughs> what? Okay. A cold herd. All right, cold herd. I stand corrected. But again, you know, here, says, Pastor, why are you just preaching on faith and prosperity? We have to get ready for the coming Lord. That is my assignment. So to, to reprove. Now, it's very interesting. The next, the next uh, word is what? Rebuke. What is rebuke? Is to tell people that if you don't correct yourself, judgment is coming. That is in the Bible. That, uh, you know, folks ought to be afraid of sinning. Folks ought to be afraid of, of doing wrong, coming to church. And, you know, it, we got to get back to the time, you know, when, when Brother Hagen was here and Dr. Dufresne was here, you never want them to do this to you. I have a good friend, Reverend Joel Siegel. I'm sure he's watching, and he's probably one of the ones that won't tell you that he's watching. He'd, and uh, when he'd get into Brother Hagen meetings and Dr. Dufresne meetings, he would repent of everything he thought of and repent for sins he never did, just to make sure he was right. How I many know that's healthy? That's healthy, you know, to keep right. And so to reprove, to rebuke, and of course to exhort. That means to encourage and strengthen. See, if you only encourage and strengthen people and never bring the other two-thirds of the gospel, the, the church will always be spiritual babies. You'll see that uh, even national ministers that only encourage and exhort, encourage, you'll, you'll see that they're spiritual babies. They're not raising up leaders. They're not raising up ministers. And so we need all of these elements. And so I've come here to tell you that you're going to get some reproving. Yeah rebuking and some exhortation <laughs> all right so that's my ministry in a nutshell that's my message praise the lord but let's get have you found revelation chapter 2 revelation chapter 2 in verse 7 he that has an ear to hear let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so we've been using this as our golden scripture. That uh, in the book of Revelation, we know this. Jesus had a message for seven churches, seven actual churches that existed in Asia Minor. And Jesus didn't just say, I have a message for the church, the universal church. He said, I have a message for the churches plural and here he had a, a different message for each church he told each church where their strength was uh, he told each church he corrected each church and told them what needed to be changed he he reproved them he rebuked them then he encouraged them what would happen if they overcame what would be given to them and so Jesus believe it or not was a true gospel preacher he reproved rebuked and exhort. But what we're drawing your attention to is that the Spirit of God has something to say to each church. The Spirit of God has something to say to each pastor. The Spirit of God has something to say to each 
one of us. And we want to have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. And that's why we're coming together and you're to be commended. I mean, you can be watching Netflix tonight. You could be out there in the concert in the park and enjoying some wonderful music, but you chose to set aside this time to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. So I believe that each and every one of us is going to hear from heaven that will help us, strengthen us, and encourage us. Uh, and, uh, and the Bible says that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so you coming out shows a diligence before the Lord, and no doubt He will reward that. And so it also takes time to hear that, uh, you know, in, in life we can be busy and the hustle and the bustle. And so we, we, we set apart these meetings to hear from heaven. And so, you know, in seeking the Lord and, and praying and, and asking God, what are you saying to us? What should we be focused on? That's why I'm so grateful for Brother Kenneth e. Hagan. One thing I've learned, and this is for you ministers, uh, is this, that it's awfully easy to miss God by being successful or by keep continuing to do what you've always been doing. And because it's working, it seems to work for you. He said this, that it's awfully easy to miss God if you don't take time to seek him concerning what you're doing. And Brother Hagen every year would do this. He would take some time and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Is there anything you want me to do I'm not doing? Is there anything that I'm doing that you don't want me to do? And just to spend time. Uh, Jesus gave uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth e. Hagen, revelation, plans, purposes, and pursuits. And one of the things in that book, in that revelation, Jesus kept saying, my people don't take time to hear from me. My ministers don't take time. Why is that? We live in a very high-paced society, a very fast-paced society. We can go to Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, Arby's, Chick-fil-A if you live in Erie. And, uh, man, you can go out, put up your orders, say no pickles, extra pickles, no mayo, extra mayo. Have it your way and bless God. If they don't have it out in five minutes, there's hell to pay. We're so used to. Thank God for microwaves and everything instant. And, uh, you know, with the Internet, you know, before you have to go to the library and, and to find something out, instantly you get information. And if you don't get it quick enough, it, you get frustrated and say, I need to know it, and I need to know it now. I need to have it, I need to have it now. That is our society. But we must realize that God does not operate that way. The things of God don't op operate that way. That many times it takes time to hear from heaven. Just like a well-prepared meal, a home gourmet meal you just don't throw it in the microwave and da da it's great no it takes time there's preparation preparation time before you actually cook the meal and it's cooked just right same thing with the things of God sometimes we need to take time to hear from him to hear what he's saying in our lives and so that's what we're doing he that has ears to hear let him hear and this is the scripture the Lord gave me in Jude chapter 1 verse 3 It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to you to write of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you. And we saw last night, needful there, it, it, actually in other translations, it was imperative. He, it, it, the necessity was laid upon him. 
the, the Spirit prompted him strongly to address this. And so what was it? It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which once was delivered to the saints. And so we, we saw this. Jude is the last book of the Bible, canon of Scripture, before the book of Revelation, which is the end days, the end of the world, and so forth. I believe uh, that it was divinely put there that the message in Jude is to help the church to get ready for the end days. And we can see this. Um, in the book of Jude that he wanted to write about the common salvation. He wanted to encourage them to be strong in faith, strong in prayer, and all the things uh, concerning Christian life. But he, he was strongly urged by the Holy Ghost to tell the church to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And we looked at that. All through the Bible, it tells us that we're to forget those things that are behind and press towards those things that are before. And a lot of times if we're always looking back at our faults and failures, it'll keep us from going forward. But it's not talking about that here. When he's saying that when we should earnestly contend for the faith, he says, don't be looking at your current role models in the body of Christ. Don't be looking at your current role models in the body of Christ as an example that I need to be contending the faith for. How many know that just got me kicked out of a lot of preaching churches? Yeah. Doesn't say it. No, the faith that was what? Once delivered to the saints. So when it comes to, to our faith, our consecration, our dedication, uh, the, the way we, we handle and, and live our Christian life shouldn't be by what is common today, but what was common yesterday. And again, I, I use this example, I like using Smith Wigglesworth. If Smith Wigglesworth were here today, what would he have to say to all of us? What would he have to say about all the media in our life? What would he have to say about how, how we spend our life in, in, in natural things and in, in things that don't assist us and help us spiritually? And we, we, we told the story when Lester Sermon went to go see him that Lester Sermon had a, a newspaper under his, under his arm and, and Smith Wigglesworth would not let him in the house with a newspaper. He says, I don't allow those lies. I don't allow them in my home. And this is a man that raised 23 people from the dead, had revival wherever he went. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying to go that extreme, but that ought to be a little bit more what we're pointing for than what we have out here. We're getting a whole lot of message. You can live any way you want. It's all been done, Christ. You can be casual towards your walk with God. Everything is okay. Well, the Bible says don't look for that to contend for. Look for this to contend for. So we, we want to uh, contend for the faith that was once delivered. Uh, notice it says earnestly contend. Earnest means sincere, intense conviction, being serious about it. Contend means a struggle or a fight, an, an idea to engage in a game or a competition. You know, football teams, when they go out in the field, 
you know, professional football team. I'm not talking about pickup and we're having fun, you know, and you're goofing off. But I'm talking professional football teams. You know, when, when they go out in the field, they're just not out to have fun. They're out to win. I mean, they're focused on the game. Every move, every play, they're focused because they want to win this game. And really, this is how we ought to be living our Christian life. Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. My job is to help people to come up higher. And, you know, sometimes to get people in the middle of the road, you tend to have to be a little extreme. Brother Hagen will always talk, hey, there's Pastor Carl Lewis and Carla. We welcome you in Jesus' name all the way from Canada to be with us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give him a hand. Yeah, give him a hand. But Brother Hagen always talked about seeking balance, being in the middle of the road. Let's just pretend this is the middle of the road. This is heaven. You guys are hell, you know. Middle, the middle of the road. It matters where you're seated in this church. Pastor Carl, you're in heaven, so praise the Lord. And so, this is the road, our race, and we're to stay right in the middle to be balanced. You know, in today's society, and I'm not trying to be mean, cruel, or ugly, it's just simply truth. Most Christians, not family church Christians, not Canadian Christians, and not California Christians. But most Christians tend to be, live a little bit on the carnal side. Now again, contending for faith that was once delivered to the saints. Smith Wigglesworth, modern Christian today. There's, there's, a, there's quite a difference there, isn't there? And so we want to get people in the middle of the road. And so if, if they're on that side and you're over here trying to get in the middle, how many know sometimes you have to be a little extreme just to come up, people to come up a little higher? And so sometimes when we, we talk about these things, uh, people say you're a little extreme. Well, you have to be. You have to be in order to get people to come up, to contend. And again, Smith Wigglesworth, that's extreme. John Lake, that's extreme. Uh, Lester Summerall, 17 years old, he, he leaves to, to go preach the gospel over the world. That is extreme. But yet, you see, these people changed the world. That's, that's how they walked. That's how they lived. And the Bible says you ought to earnestly contend for faith that was once delivered. And so in order, what we're trying to do is get the whole body of Christ to come up what? Higher. So chapter and verse, pastor, can this really be biblical? I just want to, you know, a nice Christian life and I don't want to have to struggle or do anything. You know, I just want to get up and be all rosy and, and so forth. Well, let's just, let's just see what the Bible has to say. Are you ready for this? All right. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm just reading the Bible. All right. And so 1 Corinthians... And for those of you that are new with us, you have to listen to last night's message because we're building on because we talked about the flesh, the importance of putting our flesh under. 
Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 23, And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. How many know that's in the Bible? That's in the New Testament. That, that was even written to the Corinthians. If you ever know anything about the Corinthians, they were a carnal bunch. And so Paul saw fit, even to the carnal bunch, to talk about their life and how their life should be lived. All right. And so, verse 25, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate, or that's that ugly word again, disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not one as beateth the air, but I keep under my body. We looked at that last night, keeping your body in control and under. And I bring it into subjection. Notice he called his body an it. For those of you newer, we saw that you need to treat your body like a dog. You tell your, body, your dog to, to sit, heal. You tell your, your dog to, what, play dead, to stay. You, you must master your dog. If you don't master your dog, your dog will master you. Same thing with your body. And, and I, I shared this and this help you to be reminded of these things, that your body is not you. Your body is the house that you live in. And one of the greatest revelations I had as a young man that I don't need to do what my body says. I am a spirit man. I can dominate my body. You are a spirit person. Your, your body may want to do things that are not right. You can control your body. You are authorized tonight. I deputize you to take control over your body. Why is it so important? He's telling us. Okay. I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Notice the, the wording Paul is using. He, he talks about our life, and we're going to look at another scripture pretty quick here, about our life on earth is like a race, a, a course that we're all designed to run our race. Paul told us to, to finish our course with joy. And so we all have a race to run. But notice this. In verse 24, know ye not that all that run in race, there's a whole lot of people running it, but one receives the prize. Notice what he says to the Corinthian carnal bunch. So run that you may obtain. What is he talking about? He's talking about their, their spiritual race. Their walk with God. Their consecration. Their dedication to the Lord. And, and he says, you know, in a, in a race, we'll take the New York City Marathon race. All right? 
there's probably hundreds of people. I mean, there's some people that just sign up just for the t-shirt and they, they, they go about 30 yards and they take a selfie and say, I participated in the New York City Marathon. But, you know, of course they're not going to win the race. And, and what Paul is saying, there are many people running this race what I want you to do is run this race, not to say I'm running, not to just say I'm a Christian, not to say I go to church, not to say just I pay a tithe, but run your race in such a way that you win it, that you're going to win your race. You're not only going to finish it, you're going to win your race. Now, if you, you've taken any, any sports, or if you look at any champion in any sports field, how I many you know they don't have a casual approach to their craft or to their skill? You know, uh, Jen, how do you say your last name? Sure, Schner? Yeah. You know, sure? Sir. Okay. You know, she was a gold medal pole vault from Fredonia. She just retired. You know, and, uh, you know, she just doesn't, you know, get up in the morning and say, I wonder what I'll do today. And, you know, just kind of lacks a day's yield. Then when, then when the Olympics come, oh, now I'm going to give it my best shot. Right, right. No, every day she trains. Every day decision, what she eats, how she, she's going to train, how, how, how she's going to exercise, what she's going to do, what she's not going to do is to win that gold medal. And Paul is telling us and the Corinthian church, that's how we ought to win our race. That's how we ought to run our race. Now, if the pole vaulting thing doesn't get you, this one will. Have you ever seen the movie Rocky? Dun, 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 dun. Pastor Mike would make a good Rocky. Can you do some Rocky stuff? Well, why do we love that movie? Here's an underdog. Getting up four or five in the morning. Eating six raw, eight raw eggs. And starts off and, and running. And, and you see his progression. He, he had what was called the eye of the tiger. Someone ought to write a song about that. An eye of the tiger. And that inspires us. Then when he steps into the ring with Apollo Creed... Every decision, every discipline that he's been doing for months and months shows up for the big event, the big game. And see, that's what Paul is saying. Train that way. Train that way. That means you, you get up and say, bless God, I'm going to read my Bible today. Bless God, I'm going to pray in tongues today. Bless God, I'm going to hear from heaven, maybe win some of the Lord today. You know, with that tenacity, not just wake up and say, whatever will be, will be, but, but run in such a way that you're going to gain heaven's attention. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Now, don't be concerned. I'm just preaching to myself. Give me a good prep talk, and I'm letting you listen in on that. But, but this is in the Bible. Now, that didn't go over so well, so maybe this one will. <laughs> let's, let's try Hebrews chapter 12. 
Paul says, I discipline, I keep my body under, I run my race, I'm like an athlete, I'm going after the goal. I I have one life to live for Jesus, I'm going to live it with the best of my ability, every day. Uh, Well, that's that's too intense, Paul. That's a, you know, you, you, you ought to just relax a little bit, Paul. Well, let's see what Hebrews, Hebrews. Chapter 12. So I'm a firm believer, anyone that can endure. And, and get this. Get this. This is beautiful. Remember, uh, true gospel preaching is what? Reprove, rebuke, and what? Exhort. But I didn't read the rest of that verse. Or next verse. The, for the time will come where people will not endure sound doctrine. You know what that means? Sound doctrine. Biblical doctrine sometimes needs to be endured. That, that means sometimes when, when your pastor is preaching, consecration, dedication, tithing, you know, giving, and you're there, yes, amen, pastor. You're grabbing your seat. Oh, my God. I can't wait for this service to be over. That's scriptural. Yeah. So I'm just trying to, Help all of us. All right. To run our race. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What are those witnesses? I I believe it's the living Bible. It talks about the saints Watching us from the grandstands. We need to be mindful that we're just not waking up doing our daily business and we're doing things that are not being observed. They're being observed from heaven. Yeah, we know, oh, God sees what I do. Jesus sees. He loves me. And of course he does. But the Bible says, they that ran before us are watching. Our, our fathers. I remember one time after Dr. Dufresne went home to be with the Lord. Of course, he was my spiritual daddy. Of course, my mom went home to be with the Lord. And um, I remember one time being in Jamestown, and Dr. and my mom paid a visit to the service. They're, they were watching. Watching us carrying on. You may have loved ones that have gone on before. They're watching. And it, it, it's, it's like a, a track meet or a field event. You know, you're, you're watching your loved ones run the race. I mean, you know, that puts a new perspective how you want to live your life. All right. We got a lot of sports fans here, right? What is a good game? Man, when it's high intensity, there's scores, there's blocks, you know, things are happening, Hail Marys, you know, all these things, and it keeps you on the edge of the seat. When is it going to happen next? Have you ever watched a boring game? You know, football, fourth down, punt, the other team gets it, fourth down, punt, fourth down, punt, you turn to station, let's find another game. 
live a life where you get heaven off of their seat. That they're watching and say, ooh, I wonder what they're going to be doing today. Well, yeah, they, they just wanted to stay in bed and do nothing, but they got up and read their Bible. They got up and prayed. They got up and they were afraid to talk to neighbor. They began to talk to neighbor. Their knees were shaking, but they did it anyway. Look at them and they're cheering us on. Yeah. We, we, we have one race to run. Paul said, run it to win. We're going to ask discipline to win, do things to win. But then in the, the right of Hebrews, which I believe was Paul, says another way to look at it. You're being watched from the grandstands. All those that went before. In my office, of course, both offices, you know, here and at home. But in my office here, right next to my desk, I have a picture of Kenneth E. Hagen, and I have a picture of Dr. Dufresne, my two spiritual daddies. And every time I'm looking at this, is I know they're watching me. I know they're rooting for me. You know, I, I know that they, they, they're up there cheering me on, and so I, I'm going to give my best to this race down here. I'm going to give my best to the preaching, teaching, the gospel. I'm going to do my best to get the word in the people, to help people. Yeah. Guess what? You're being watched too. Not only from Jesus, but I mean, you know, people in our, our church that have gone before. Yeah. You, you know, I, I, I would like to mention names, you know, because we're all family, but they're up there watching us, cheering us on. Glory to God. And that's encouraging. You know, it's like watching TV program, and, and we've done that. You know, you know, we, we have movie nights. Have you ever done this? You watch the first 10 minutes of a movie, eh, that's boring. And then put another thing on, first 10 minutes, that's boring. That's boring. You know, not much is happening. You know, and you don't want to endure watching an hour and a half to finally get into the good part. But you get those movies that, bless God, you, you, you turn it on. Ooh, what, what, what's... I wasn't expecting that. Well, and it holds your interest. Live your life to hold heaven's interest. Put on a show for heaven to enjoy. Yeah. I'm coming up higher, higher, and higher. Praise the Lord. Are you encouraged? All right, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Oh, by the way, I'm fixing the clothes. All right. Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What's it tell us to do? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience or endurance the race is set before us. Pastor, you're doing so good to you read that verse. <laughs> Going back to what we talked about last night. Again, the race to be run, running a race. Paul said, run your race as to win. But then he talks about discipline his body. 
Now here it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so does easily beset us. So what is he talking about? Things that will keep us from running our race well. And of course, we, we talked about sin and, uh, last night. And uh, again, if you're here um, and there's something you know you're doing you shouldn't be doing, the only reason we're bringing this up, the Lord wants to help you because you have a race to run. See, when you have sin, the Bible talks about two things. It talks about a sin and a weight and how it affects your spiritual race. All right, a weight is not a sin, but it slows you down. And you still have to give up weights. No matter how much grace preaching is out there, you still have to give up weights. All right. What is a weight? Anything slows you down personally, spiritually. Uh, a weight, let's just say if we were in a running event and I have, a, I have a big heavy parka on, a backpack, and big uh, snow boots on. How I many know I could still go forward, but it's going to slow me down. I'm not going to run as fast. I'm not going to be as efficient. I'm not going to be as effective with a weight. And I, I truly believe all through our life as we go up in God, we give up. It's not popular, but it's true. That things that slow you down. They're not necessarily sin, but they weigh you down. I know it's getting quiet in this Presbyterian convention, but I got, I'm going to stand before Jesus, and I'm getting people ready, and this is what gets people ready. We all have them. So let's get a mic, and let's have open mic, and we'll go through, what is your weight? Well, I'm 205 right now. I'm not talking about your natural weight. I'm talking about things that slow you down. Not necessarily sin, but they slow you down and you ought to know what they are. Thing that takes your, up your time. Things that don't profit spiritually. Like, I'll tell off on me. Uh, number one, I have to be very careful about media. Very careful. Because we've all done, you watch something, and right at the end, something, oh, oh, I got, I got to watch it once more. You know, well, and, and I walk, oh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in it. And before you know it, an hour goes by. And I've wasted an hour, two hours on this thing. Or, in fa you know, Facebook, media and stuff. Then there's nothing wrong with it. Remember, balance. 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 So, on my list is I have to be very careful. And I have some criteria. When and when I cannot do media. And many times I'll just be looking because sometimes you just, today, to find out what your church is doing, what your people are doing, you need to either need to be a prophet or have Facebook because <laughs> Facebook tells all. And so I'll go just make sure because sometimes you find out so-and-so died, so-and-so, you know, is, is having surgery, you find that out. And, and very often, this, you know, even just looking for information, this, my spirit would say, put that down. Why? It's not sin, but that time can be spent with him. Again, balance. Everyone's got to follow their own spirit in those things. And so, uh, 
you know, I, I know with media. Uh, another, two, uh, another thing is uh, sweets. Now it got really quiet. <laughs> the lights even flickered a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Now, again, these are my weights. Not your weights. But I can tell by your weight, it's your weight. But I'm not. I had to wake someone up. It just, it slows me down, my body down. And there's some other physical things the Lord told me. And when I avoid sugar... I'm symptom-free, allergy-free, you know, everyone else gets sick, I don't get sick, you know, just naturally. And again, that's, you know, he may not deal with you concerning that, but he dealt with me. And so, that's a weight. All right? I don't dare go to another one. Because half the ministers in the body of Christ would be slain over this. Dealt with me about coffee. I love coffee. I love the smell. Whenever I go get a, a gelato in my cheat days, gelato, I get the coffee ones. You know, that way I can, I, I sin twice in one cup. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. You know, everyone in gelato, that's what I get is coffee. And I get, but uh, again, balance. It affects my anointing. It affects me getting into the spirit. And also affects things in my body, but it has an effect concerning the anointing in my life. And I want to be sensitive to anointing. Now again, media is not a sin, unless you're watching porn or something like that. Um, sugar is not a sin. Coffee's not a sin. But I know those things slow me down spiritually. And whenever... I get tripped up by them, and, and you know, especially on my days off, I can tell my, my edge is not as sharp. Now, those aren't your things. You, you have other things. Hopefully, you know what they are. Okay, so he says, the weights. Weights are like running with a park and boots on. You know what sin is? It's like being chained to a chair that doesn't move. You can get so far in that thing, or if it does move, it's like a big sofa or a couch. I mean, you might get some movement, but you'll never get to the end of your race with sin in your life. Now, Pastor, why do you bring this up? I have to. It has to be told in this generation. Because they're being told, it's all right, it's all right. You can be chained up with that God. Of course he loves you. Of course that's not going to take you to hell. You know, but it's slowing you down from running your race. Did I say I was fixing the clothes? I'm fixing the clothes. let's, Let's read this again. Are you helped? I truly believe, well, I, I asked my wife, I says, honey, what should I teach on tonight? She says, you ought to teach on what you taught on last night. Just continue on tonight. I said, all right. And I, so I asked the Lord, and he said, 
do what she says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, know that uh, uh, God told Abraham to listen to, to Sarah. So, yeah. But tomorrow, if you can endure till tomorrow, we're breaking up the follow ground. Tomorrow will get you into a really good place. Tomorrow will be exhortation day. <laughs> Yesterday was reproving. Today, downright rebuking. That's why I only do three-day meetings. I get my reprove, rebuke, and exhort all in. I can do it in three days. <laughs> now, why do you make people laugh when you're so hard? Because I learned from Mary Poppins. What? A spoonful of sugar, what? Yes. Hebrews 12, 1. New Testament. Wherefore, we're seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. They're watching us from the grandstand, cheering us on. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so doth easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down the right hand of the throne of God. For considered him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. I should have just stopped there, but verse 4, for you have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Earnestly contend, strive. What do we strive against? Sin. Yeah. Is Jesus an example unto death? You know, the Bible's true. Jesus told in the book of Revelation that's Satan's going to put some of you in prison. Do you offhand know what church that was? That where, where, say, where Jesus said Satan's going to put some of you in, in prison. You'll have tribulation 10 days. Yeah. Smyrna. And notice what Jesus said. But any time now, I'm going to get you out of that. No. He said, be thou faithful unto death. Here... It says in verse 4, you have not resisted the blood striving against sin. The same Jesus who so loved the world says, if your eye offends you, what? Pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If you're watching porn, oh, well, we don't want to go there, but <laughs> well, I finally got Justin involved in the meeting. I was, trying, I was circling the airport finally to get him connected in the meeting. Yes. Yeah. Unto blood. I mean, everything I'm sharing is in the Bible. I, I got all of your attention now. Some of you are still figuring out, what is he talking about? Just let that one slide. Let it slide. Yeah. The Spirit of God said, tell them to contend that which is spiritual. Jude says to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. What we're teaching on was the standard for every Christian 
100 years ago. Today it seems so odd, so rare, so extreme. That's why Jude said, by the Spirit of God, you need to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now, I got about five minutes. I've reproved you. I rebuke you. Tomorrow I'm going to encourage you so you don't want to miss tomorrow. But the key to all of this is what? Balance. Like I said before, sometimes when, when you got someone in the ditch, to get them out of the ditch, sometimes you have to cross the line and almost get an extreme in order to get that person in the middle. And so, these things can be taken, taken to an extreme. These things, the Bible says, the letter of law killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Paul said this, that I may run my, finish my course with what? Joy. Not in drudgery, not, oh, this is so hard, and this is so harsh. No, this is joyful. The presence of God, the grace of God, it's joyful. When you have your eyes on Jesus, and you're pleasing Jesus, and disciplining your flesh, that is joyful. But you can take this to an extreme and get off. And again, most of my preaching is to get people in the middle. There are some people, I tell them, you need to go out and read a magazine or watch a movie or something because you're getting way too spiritual, way too spooky. Now, how do, you know, how do I know that? I was one of them. And I'm going to end with this for tonight. I've always been one, when it comes to God, 100%. I served the devil 100%. Then when I got saved, I served God 100%. You know, God supernaturally sent me to, to Ramah. And, you know, I left New York saying I'm never going to return to New York. And I learned my lesson, never say never. So I say I'll never have to pastor in Hawaii, the Bahamas, you know, all that stuff. But I was supernaturally sent back here. I had a man of Macedonia ex experience. And... You know, you, you never start, start out top. You always will serve another man. You always have to be proved faithful. And very often, sometimes you have to go uh, in the wilderness to get in the promised land. You know, and, uh, and so God sent me back to the wilderness of western New York. So, I work for the church, and I, I work for a farm. I work for... Almost 10 years, I worked seven days a week. Faith will do whatever it takes. Of course, neither one paid me very much, so it was out of necessity I had to do that. But other than work, every single second I had, I gave to the Lord. You know, and, you know on my breaks, whatever, I was in the Word, I'd pray, I'd fast, and, and that would be my, my discipline, and God I learned as a young man that if you, you would draw nigh to God, he'd draw nigh to you. He, he would honor your consecration, dedication. And he showed me things that I, I doubt that many young men and women ever experienced because of that. But in the course of time, my spirit began to be uneasy. I began to sense something wrong in my spirit. You know, there, there ought to be peace. 
in your walk with God. You, there, there ought to be, you know, you, you have peace with God. You, you, your, your, your conscience needs to be cleared. And, uh, but my mind wasn't. And so my conscience bothered me. Bless God, I'm, I'm going to buckle down and do more. I'm going to do more praying. I'm going to do less sleeping, more praying, more reading. And the more I went, the more my spirit was grieved. And I remember being in my room and said, Lord, Lord, I cannot possibly give you any more time. I mean, I'm not getting enough sleep. I, I'm, I'm neglecting other things. I am in the word. I'm praying. I am doing the work of the ministry. I cannot possibly, in my, yet I know that's my spirit. My spirit is, is grieved. When I said that, the Holy Ghost came in my room like Acts chapter 2. That's happened a couple times in my life. And the Holy Ghost came in my room like that and jumped in my belly. Now, I mean, he was already in my belly, but sometimes he can be dramatic. And so he went like this and he jumped into my belly and I was in the spirit. I was in the spirit realm. And uh, in the spirit realm, there was a Bible. And the Holy Ghost, well, actually the voice of the Father, he was speaking for the Father. He said, son... Look in the book of Genesis. And it says, you notice when I made my man Adam. Adam did walk with me. He fellowshiped with me. He walked with me. But I also put him in the garden. And I made all these things for him. I fully intended for my man to enjoy natural life. And he said this, son, the reason why your spirit is unsettled is you're out of balance. You're just focused solely on spiritual things. And you're not enjoying natural life as I intended. Another place, it said that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is I'm over here. Bless God. You, you, you train like Olympic runner. You train like Rocky Balboa. Bless God. You get up and you eat your breakfast. You pray. You, you, you do everything and live your life like that in order to get you here. But we need to be balanced. Brother Hagin says we need to be a person of both worlds. Too many people are just living in the natural. we got to get them in the spiritual. But there are some people like me that are too spiritually minded. North the good. They need to go outside and do some gardening. They need to walk the dogs. They, they need to go to the park. They need to go fishing or something. And enjoy richly everything God's given them. So we were extreme. But I want you to be balanced. See, so when you're balanced, you'll have joy. You'll have joy. You'll have peace on the inside. We all sense a need of coming up higher. We all sense that, that, that I need to do that. that. That is the call of God. And it's not to hurt. It's not to, to condemn. Because God, God wants to get us in the middle of the road. But what I want us to do is make sure we stay in that middle 
and not get super weird that your, your pastor's got to call you in and say, have ushers keep an eye on that person. They're going to prophesy any minute now and their eyes are in the clouds all the time. But to, to be balanced and, and, and to put on a, a good show for heaven. To show heaven that I'm a man of the Spirit. I'm, I'm a woman of God. And yet I can walk on, on these natural grounds and show other people the way. So, hallelujah. Were you helped? Helped. We're going to get this job done. We're going to get this job done. Ah. Uh, Oh, Jesus. Ah, yes. Ah. Yes, Master. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're honored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, my master. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you sense that? Several years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ, while I was laying in my bed, came into my room. I was just laying down. You know, I had just gotten up. And he, he came through the door. I can see him now. And, and he walked towards me and, and, and then maybe stood probably about maybe 10 feet away from me as I was in the bed. And, and he began to talk to me. And, and he, he gave me a message that I misinterpreted for years. Then when a situation came, I, I began to realize it's, that wasn't what he was talking to me about. And it fit perfectly about certain things. But whenever Jesus gives you a visitation, it's always for a purpose. And he always is trying to train you. Remember when he, when he uh, called Samuel. He stood and called Samuel. Samuel responded wrong and didn't get the message. But it wasn't until Eli told Samuel, hey, next time you hear that voice, say, hear my Lord. Yeah, you know, talk to me. And uh, then the Lord gave the message. And so from that visitation, not only did he give me a message, but he trained me to hear his voice. I, I've, I've had throughout my ministry life the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is an audible voice. It's like the Holy Ghost speaking right over my ear. Uh, I've had that. I, I, I've been minding my business, you know, and just mind my business. Where the Lord says, you go, you know, if he marries that woman, his life will be hell on earth. You know, you know, where'd that come from? You know, and so through my life, the word of the Lord has come that way as an audible, authoritative voice through the prophet's office. But, but this time, when he stood, it wasn't the word of the Lord out here. He spoke to my spirit, you know, this, this, the voice of my spirit. And... Um, so he's standing there talking to me, but it's like I have a little mini speaker in here. And I, I'm hearing very clearly what he's saying because I'm quiet and listening. And, I, and I, I got his message. Not only did he deliver a message, but he wanted to show me to be very sensitive to him 
when he comes into a service. Because he said, not, you will not always see me, but I will be there and I will give a message. But you've got to know how I speak. And uh, I think maybe several months later, I was preaching in the Cory Church. And uh, I, I think, I, I can tell if I'm Pastor Jeff because he's not here. He's in Spain, <laughs> missing the meetings here. Yes. Well, I didn't know, but he was discouraged because, you know, you, you want your church to grow and stuff like that. And uh, we were just having a meeting, and all of a sudden Jesus walks in. He stands about, again, I don't know if it's my B.O., about 10 feet away from me. <laughs> but he's not speaking out here. He is speaking in here. And he says, you go tell Pastor Jeff this. And so he's there. I'm listening here. I know his presence. And then I, I gave him the message, and it helped him. Well, Jesus just came in here. Now, did I see him this time? No. But I would dare say he was about 10 feet away from me. And he says, I want you to lay hands on the pastors. That I, that, uh, I have an impartation for them tonight. Because you are the voices of this generation. You're the ones that have the greatest influence for God. In this time that we live in. Ah, 